Hello, boxing fans around the world. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the Friday Night Panel with yours truly, Mike Orr, and my man, Lou Eisen. Lou, it's just me and you tonight. Yes. For, for, for the beginning, we're going to open it up. Yeah. Uh, I guess I guess we'll talk about well let's let's talk about this Eubank fiasco that yes. me and you me and you last week were, were sure that this wasn't going to happen because of the wonderful performance that uh, Liam Smith put on in the uh, the first bout. But I guess yes. you know what they're one apiece. There's got to be a trilogy. Yes, absolutely. And you know, earlier in the week when we were all meeting, Neil said to me after the meeting, "Well, I guess you and Mike were wrong. I guess <laughs> old Neil was right." And I said, yeah, Liam Smith had to lose something like 40 pounds a month out from the, from, or five weeks out from the fight. And I yeah. said, but that's not an excuse. You know, he could have said, I can't make the weight. There's no fight. And right. he didn't look into it, right? When he was walking from the dress room, his body wasn't sweating. No. And he didn't look in shape and he just didn't look into it. What do you, what no. do you think? No, same, same. I didn't think, I think he looked, you know, I'll tell you though, I put on both fights. Side by side, screen screen to screen. Uh, you know, first round kind of looked the same as the as, as the opening of the you know the first bout. Second, you could kind of see that fatigue kind of set in early, and uh, it was it was kind of kind of from there where uh, I, I feel Eubank kind of just started started owning them. You know, uh, Smith just just didn't look like he he, he was about it. But forty pounds is, that that's a lot. I'm not making any excuses. He he knew that this rematch was coming up. Uh, maybe he took it a little too lightly because of the way that you know the first match went. Uh, I guess he wasn't expecting you know Eubank to uh, to be as good as he he looked uh, that fight. But I guess it sets it up for a trilogy. Yeah, absolutely. As you you and I were saying last week, it's a lack of discipline. There's no excuse for this. Right. You know you know the fight's coming up, and and I always go back to this during the making of Cinderella Man. One one night we we're sitting in Angela Dundee's hotel room, a bunch of the actors, and we're watching a football game and he was from Miami. You see a Miami Dolphin guy get a pass in the end zone and there's no one within 20 yards of him and he drops it. And Angelo said, dumb, 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 dumb mother. You know, yeah. everyone said, hey, he's human. Come on. People make errors. He said, not pros. Not when you get 20 million a year. That's not excusable. And for Liam Smith, for the money he got, he should have been in shape. He should have known what he was getting into. And I, and I hope this fight gives credit to Bo Mack, to Brian McIntyre, because before the fight, when he was interviewed, I love what he said. Um, he said, I loves me a fish sandwich. No, he said <laughs> <laughs> that um, when he was asked, what did you do? What did you change with with um, Eubanks? He said, nothing. You don't change a fighter's natural style. I told him to forget what everyone else had said. Go back to your natural style. And just remember to move your feet constantly. Keep turning them. And that's what he did. And that's what exactly. Charles Goldman used to say. And Angelo and Ray Arcel and Bill Clancy. Don't alter a guy's natural style. Just augment it. So Bomack did a great job. And yes. you've got to give him credit for being a great trainer. Not a great traveler, but right. a great trainer. Definitely. Definitely. I was very impressed with, you know, that, that, that constant movement. That's one thing that we did see a lot more from Eubank was that that constant movement, not keeping his feet flat. He was more on his toes, you know, more on that that hoppy step more than the, you know that flat footed kind of style. But you know that's that's that flat footed style shows shows you know fatigue. And honestly, he looked he looked in great shape. You know, he was bouncing around he right really to the did. end. He did. Well, he jumped over the ropes. You could tell and look on his face when he was throwing punches in the ring before the fight. You thought he's into yeah. it. 
Yeah. He's yeah. waited a lifetime for this. Now it's his chance at redemption, and he's not going to let go of it. And he looked in shape, and you could hear Bob Mack yelling, jab, 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 move your feet, jab. And that's, you know, he had a better corner, I, I think. Yeah. And, and I, maybe it's not the corner, but, 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 um, um, you know, Smith just, he wasn't there. Mentally, he was not in the fight. He had checked out. Yeah, that, that's what I believe. Right, you know, I give it to him for lasting as long as he did. Because, you know, he took he took some punishment in, in, he in that certainly one. Did. He certainly did. He's, and, you know, with, with Smith, I've noticed he does have that, that a lot of scar tissue in the eyebrow problem. Hmm. You know, that, that one shot will just bang, slap it open. And then that bleeding, you know, Mr. Beefy there. He does take a lot of shots. You know, he's got wow. all that spare tissue. He looks beat up. He took a lot of punishment in that. I think, you know, for the next fight, we're going to have to see uh, see a different Liam Smith. Definitely. And he's going to have to wonder if he wants that next fight, if he can still make the weight. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, to drop 40 pounds, that's that's a lot, man. You shouldn't be, you yeah. shouldn't be, you shouldn't be 40 pounds up past your fight weight. Like, that's... No. You know, and that's, and he, here's the thing. I mean... For me, drop as you can tell, dropping forty pounds is a haircut. <laughs> right? But if somebody said to me, you know, it's six weeks, you got to fight in six weeks, you can drop forty pounds. I would say realistically, I can drop two, knowing me. Yeah, so forty. That's no, just that's, not going to happen. And, that's and a lot that's, of dehydration. Yeah, and and send fighters into the ring like that. That's what happens when. You have to, your only struggle is losing weight and being dehydrated. There's nothing left to focus on in training camp. Right. You right. know, just as you said, he took a fearful beating. Yeah. I mean, he stayed in there and he didn't want to quit when the referee stopped that, but that's all fighters. Yeah. You sometimes you got to save them from themselves. You know, yeah. there's, a, there's that point where, where you know they're taking damage, you know they're causing long term, you know, there's going to be long term issues from some of the damage these guys take. And, you know, as a fighter, you got that warrior heart. You don't want to stop until you're done, until you're on that ground. But, you know, it, it takes good people to know when to stop it. You know, congratulations on the ref for making that, that bold choice and just, you know, cutting it off, right? Like I, I agree. His corner should have. And this has happened too many times, Mike, you yeah. know, with Magomed Abdusalamov and Mike Perez. But you and I could sit here for, you know, next 30 years. and Well, I won't be alive then, but <laughs> you will. And we could name up. What five yeah. six hundred fights where guys you're looking and you're hitting your head going stop the fight it's not yeah. competitive yeah yeah you know it's there's there's a lot of that uh, I, I think there should you know they they should they should put something into into place where these refs take some sort of uh, you know course to really recognize recognize when that's then that's going on you know it's it's a big responsibility on their hands that's a wonderful idea because you know doctors. At ringside, as you well know, don't need permission to examine a fighter or stop a fight. Right. And you know, it was very unusual for Buddy McGirt after after Maxime Dadashev died. Mm. He had another fighter uh, six seven months later taking a beating, and he just said, "That's enough." And the yeah. fighter complained. He said, "You took twelve unanswered shots to the head. That's enough. It's yeah. over. You're done." Yeah. And more guys have to do that. And if the corners aren't willing to do it, um, I know Russ Amber would have. Yeah. I love Russ, but he he was he was the cut man. He wasn't yeah. in charge of the corner. And Russ has always taken a fighter's 
you know, what's best for the fighter first. But so many guys don't. And they let the fighter continue in the hopes that they'll regain the upper hand and win. And they often don't. But if they do, as you said, they still take terrible damage. Yeah. Yeah, they do. They do. From from that first from that first concussive blow, every blow after that causes damage. Yeah. You know, it's it's at the end of the day, do you want to speak when you're retired or do you not want to speak when you're retired? That's right? that's essentially what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's sad that it happens. Uh maybe maybe in the future they'll be able to implement something that will, you know, help the refs recognize uh, you know, when when they should be calling these fights. Cause, you know, for us to sit back and watch it from TV and be able to see it happening or being, you know, in the audience watching it. And we can see the outside. Sometimes it's hard for that ref to kind of see it because he's looking for other things, maybe not noticing, you know, the, the gloss over the eyes or, you know, not not noticing that he's sure he might be blocking, but he's not intelligently blocking. It's more of an instinctual block, right? Right. And, you know, I was really glad when, I mean, sad when, you know, in Montreal when Jeanette Zakaris died, she was 18. Yeah. She wasn't really a fighter. I mean, she wanted to be, but it's like you or I saying, hey, we should get to play for the Leafs because we live in Toronto. It doesn't work that way. No. And her husband was the guy that brought her up with other fighters. They were there to lose. And one of the uh, um, people in the Montreal boxing community said, well, there was no evidence in her brain that she had former brain bleeds. And the neurosurgeon at the Montreal Polytechnic said, that's because it was swollen. <laughs> you can't tell anything until the brain, the swelling goes down. Right. Then you'll see it. You know, right. you can't check the transmission on a car after a car crash. No. It's <laughs> cleared away. Yeah. Obviously, if the swelling goes down and you check it, there will be previous brain bleeds. Yeah. In fact, she was told before she came up, she had a serious brain injury and she shouldn't fight. But that's boxing. Yeah, it's... It is what it is. There's not yeah. much we can do about it at the moment. And you know, we love it. I, I love the sport. I love I love watching it. And and you know, it's just it's sad that some of these fighters end up end up the way they do. It's, yeah. it's a sad thing. It is. And as you as you and I know, there's no feeling in the world in any sport or anything like that one minute before a great fight. Yeah. Right? But before Chavez, Mayweather, but not Chavez Mayweather, Mayweather Canelo. Yeah. You no. Know, and and or Sergio Martinez, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Before a, a fight, that one minute of anticipation when the referee gives them the instructions, you go, oh man, yeah. no one call. I'm not. I don't care. Yeah. You know, if Julia Roberts is stripping over there, <laughs> yeah. I'm not turning my head. I cannot yeah. miss this. Yeah. Yeah. You want to see? You want to see that first? That initial meeting in the center of the ring. That's that. That's, that's right. anticipation for that. That's what drives you to watch this stuff you know I, I used to love back in the day when 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 i would get that and it would be like mike tyson oh yeah. you know you know you'd get in there the anticipation you're like all right all right, all right everybody shh, shh. and then it was over <laughs> it was over yeah and mike mike tyson i mean he came in like jack dempsey one of his heroes he was a warrior yeah he came in to fight i'm not there to fool around i'm not your friend yeah. this is an athletic competition i'm there to bash your skull in and you know the look on on um, Conroy Nelson's face, the Canadian fighter, of sheer terror before the fight, and also you know before the Michael Spence fight, they had adjoining dressing rooms, and Tyson put his hand through the wall when he was warming up, and Spinks they said almost fainted, like <laughs> his jaw dropped. I can't believe I'm I'm 
firing this guy. And you know, Marshall Warfield, the comedian, had that joke about, you know, Desiree Washington. And mm -hmm. he said, if you go to Mike Tyson's uh, hotel room at four in the morning, you're either there to fight or to, you know, yeah. to have sex. And I didn't notice any title belt around her waist. No. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, Tyson was, was must see TV. Oh, yeah. You put oh, asses yeah. in the seats. You had to see it. You had to, yeah. And, and as you know, people for days after, did you see that punch? That's unbelievable. Yeah. And and I was doing stand up at the time and Douglas beat him. And I went on stage after the fight and I told people and they laughed. And they said, That's the funniest thing you said all night. This was in Hamilton. <laughs> city that smells as good as it looks. And yeah, right. The Steel City. The <laughs> Steel City. And no one believed me. They said, yeah, Tyson lost to Bugger, Buster Douglas. Yeah, right. You know, that's right. You're right, buddy. What's next? The Leafs won the Stanley Cup? Yeah. <laughs> no one believed me. And then oh, no one believed it. It could happen, but it didn't. No, no. And that's the great thing about the sport. Any yeah. man or woman at any time can rise from obscurity to, to world glory. Yeah, yeah. And, and in the blink of an eye. And all it takes is one good punch. One, it does. One, one, one well-timed punch placed and the way to follow up and capitalize on, on that. Either either that one punch catches them and they go down or it shifts the entire fight in your favor and you end up coming out as a victor in the in the decision or, you know, it takes a bunch of shots and, you know, he technical knock. But, yeah. I got to tell you what fight I loved recently was the – was it the featherweight Oscar um, – was it Rivera? Um against against Navaretti. Navaretti and Oh yes. Big fight. Big and fight. and Navaretti was winning. Is it Rivera? Is that the correct name? Yeah, yeah I believe it's Rivera. And I don't know why someone's calling me, but I'll decline it. Anyway, <laughs> the thing is that uh Rivera was getting his face punched in, but I, I loved him because he never quit. He yeah, never moved forward and kept trying to win. That was a great fight. You know, I, I know I, I know those guys, they're very they've got heart. They've got heart that nobody else nobody else has. And no. it's just it's it's incredible. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was it was everybody the refuse sorry, refusal to be beat. Yeah, Eric said to his corner, I don't care if I can't see out of the eye. I'm not quitting. You're gonna have yeah. to kill me. I'm not quitting. It's not gonna happen. And and what I liked about it too, when it was over, he said the better man won. Yeah. It's a great fight. The only thing I didn't like, as we said at the time, was it shouldn't take 40 minutes to wrap a fighter, one fighter's hand, a single hand. And there was a lot of tape on Navarrete's hand. But then again, Rivera's cornermen weren't there. Right. Right. Well, that was a, that was a big fight. I love, you know what? Navarrete never, you know, he never, he never ceases to amaze me with the, you know, the, the way that he fights. He's just, uh, he's very resilient. Uh, he's one of those guys that can get in there. He can take punishment and give it at the same time. And, you know, when he got knocked down by the Australian, I thought that may have been the worst thing the Australian guy did. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> because, you know, right then and there that it's uh, it's it's bad for me. From there. Yeah, it's almost like he got up and said, you know what? I was content to have some fun and beat you on points, but yeah. now I'm going to have to knock you out. Yeah. And, you know, I've seen that so many times with Alexis Arguello in fights where he had fights that, you know, it was doing well, and the other guy dropped him, and then he got up, and he just shook his head and went, okay, now, <laughs> now it's over. You know oh. the famous story about Sam Langford? 
uh, the great Canadian fighter from Nova Scotia, greatest fighter never to win a world title. And he, he was in a fight in London, England um, against Iron Haig is the guy's name. And okay. he comes out in the eighth or ninth round and he touches gloves. And the guy says, what are you doing, Sam? You only touch gloves in the last round. And he said, that's right, son. And for you, this is the last round. <laughs> and then he, he positioned them in the ropes over right where a reporter was who had called uh, Langford yellow and a coward. Okay. And he knocked him out cold, one shot. That's like that's like Babe Ruth calling the shot, right? Yeah. And he, he, he did apparently. He didn't say, I'm going to hit it there. Yeah. Apparently what he said was, um it only takes one yeah <laughs> and they snapped the picture because the cubs bench was really riding him and and uh, uh i wish i could remember the name a great author um creamer was his name and he wrote a great book on babe ruth and he said he 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 was at the game and he said ruth just he said it only takes one so he would never admit after with you know right that's the great thing about sports right yeah there yeah. should be a show i tried to pitch a show on greatest sports mysteries to find out what happened in certain things and a lot of it's you know boxing so it's just very difficult to push boxing these days to it, television. It is. so there's not much boxing for this weekend that's televised i know we do have uh one going on tonight uh in billy nicholson this one's on espn plus uh, it's already started. Uh, this one, Christian and Billy will defend his WBC Continental America's title in a 10-round main event with contender uh, Demon Nicholson, uh, you know, born in Cameroon, 2016 Olympian for France. And Billy boasts an impressive record, 24-0, 20 KOs. I do like this kid. I've been watching him for a while. Uh, you know, he clinched at Continental America's belt in September. Uh, with a third round TKO against Ronnie uh, Landetta. That was back in 2001. Uh, since then, he's amassed several top-level wins, uh, beating uh, American Ronald Ellis, uh, also Najib Mohammadi. Uh, uh, and this past March, and Billy came out on top in a tough fight against uh, Carlos Gongora, uh, winning by unanimous decision. Nicholson, he's got a 26-5-1 and one record with 22 knockouts, is a power puncher fighter with a Decade-long professional clear, career. He's coming off that uh, decision defeat over former dual weight champion Demetrius Andre in January. Uh, so, what's uh, what are your thoughts on in Billy? Well, I, I had a question to ask you before that. Okay, I, I like Billy. I think he's a good fighter, and I like watching him. Why are there so many negative comments about Demetrius Andre? I don't know. I don't know. I I, I like him. I like. I him. like him too. I've liked him. I've never seen any, any anything wrong with him. There's a lot of negative comments about him. I'm not sure why people hate. I just, you know. He doesn't call people, you know, he's not rude to anyone. He's got a lot of class. Mm -hmm. He's a good fighter. He hasn't had big fights, but no one's going to, no one's wanted to fight him. Charlo, on the other guy, on the other hand, is, is classless. Yeah. You know, so is Adrian Broner, but they pick on Andrade and he doesn't do anything wrong. I I think I think it's because he's just too soft in the media. He's not, you know, he's like okay, you 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 look at fights, you come up, you know, you find find out a fight's gonna happen in four weeks, you know, for four weeks these guys usually are on social media, you know, oh, I'm gonna do this to this guy, I'm gonna do this. Andre just 
zip lipped. He, he doesn't he doesn't really talk too much crap. He kind of just stays very low key. He's never really in the media until you know the press conference and then the press conference oh, happens. Crawford. Yeah. Yeah. He's just very I don't know. I guess I guess they believe that you know maybe he can't fill seats. Like I, I like him as a fighter. I think he's a great you know talented boxer. He's you know shows great class in the ring outside of the ring. You know he's got he's got an impressive record. You know he's got he's got wins and he's beaten some great guys and uh, definitely. It's definitely, knockouts yeah. to put asses in the seats, and in comedy, <laughs> it's dick jokes to put asses in the seats. <laughs> <laughs> and. Purists like us will always love Sugar Ray Robinson or Willie Pep or Muhammad Ali, but people want to see knockouts. And yes. That brings me to my next question for you. Does Charlo really have a chance against Canelo going up two weight divisions? Uh, I don't, you know, I don't know. He carries a lot of power in the weight that he's in. It's mm. whether or not, it's whether or not that power is transferable up to weight classes, right? Because yeah. there are those guys, there are those guys who, you know, fight at a weight that, is lower than what they naturally feel good at. So that power tends to transition very well where, you know, you got these guys who are, are trying to pack on weight. First, when you pack on the weight, you got to learn how to, you got to learn how to gain your power back in a different way. It's a completely different process. So, you know, what the thing is with Charlo, I do like, he's got that ability. He's got that ability to really close the distance fast, fast. And he's got that explosive power in that hand. And he knows how to use it. He knows how to capitalize on it. And I think, you know, he likes he likes to play that center of the ring. He likes to press his guys on the ropes. If he can catch Canelo, there might be an opportunity for him to, you know, rally against that, catch him, and Foreman. maybe drop him. But Foreman, yeah. Yeah. I, don't know if, I mean, let's not forget Canelo himself came up from 154 to yeah. 160 to 168 to 175 and did it gradually. I just don't know why Canelo didn't go after his brother, who's a natural 160, and and would only have to jump up a weight class. I, I don't know. I don't know. You know what? A lot of people say that Canelo has been playing that, uh, you know, pick your partner game very, very well throughout his career, which, you know, he, he kind of has, but. That's what you're supposed to do. That's yeah. Make the most money of your title while you have it, but, you know, for the least amount of risk. Yeah. Very few guys like Ray Leonard or Muhammad Ali. Or Joe Lewis that took on guys that could do damage, right? And and, and beat them all. But you know, uh, Charles is a bigger man, and definitely doesn't have any fear. He's faster. And everywhere yeah. I've been reading, I don't know why, but that they say Canelo looks like he may have lost a step. I haven't seen it. And uh, I haven't either. I haven't either. He's not. He hasn't been in uh, in media as much as he has in the past. Uh, yeah. I, I don't think he's ever been knocked down, has he? I, I not that I recall. Not that I recall. He's got a good chin because he's got great balance. He takes yeah. a good shot. Yeah, he's, I he mean, can, Golovkin really hit him, and it oh, yeah. nothing. Yeah, I you know I believe that that his ability to you know that 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 elusive be you know that elusiveness that he has, he's able to absorb a lot of those a lot of the power that's coming in off those shots when he does get hit. Right. When, when you pull back, he is taking a lot of that pressure off. But see, the thing is with Charlo is 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 he can close that gap so quick, right? You might not have you might not have that ability to move back fast enough to be able to take off that sting of that shot. Well, because, right. Yeah. Well, it reminds me, Mike, when he fought Brian Castano, and I think this was the second fight, and Castano was winning, 
and then it was over. <laughs> it was just over that quickly. You shook your head and you go, how did this happen? Yeah. And he just turned it up to like four or five notches, you know, yeah. a couple uppercuts, a couple hooks, and that was it. Castano was done. And, yeah. and Charles turned it up and it looked- And he has that ability. He has that yeah. ability to turn it on. Uh, you know, like when you watch when you watch his highlight reels, his highlight reels are all the same. It's wham, come in, huge hit, play that angle, boom, 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 it's over. Same thing. It's it's his recipe. You can watch it every single knockout. It's like the same thing. And if he's I, mean, I think if he's able to catch catch Canelo the right way, he might be able to drop him. And you know, he could uh, you know, but anyone can be dropped or knocked out. Anyone. Yeah, anyone, anyone. And it's you know, it's whether or not. Canelo's chin can still stand up to that kind of punishment, right? Well, I mean, I don't personally like uh, 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 Charlo, but he's a great fighter, without a doubt. Right. And, you know, I've had people say, or I've heard people say, excuse me, you know, he's really full of himself. Well, to get in the ring and have someone try to kill you, you have to be. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You get in a boxing ring and not be full of yourself. Yeah. Uh, on on, uh, on this undercard tonight uh, in the co-main event, we have Steve Claggett. Wow. Haven't seen this guy out in a while. Local hero. Uh, you know, 35, 7, and 2. Uh, 25 KOs. He's defending his NABF title against the Me Mexican veteran, Carlos Sanchez, who is 24 and 1 with 19 KOs. What are, you, what are your thoughts on Claggett? Well, I, I like him. Here's an in interesting story. People will say about fighters like him, like you were just saying, yeah. haven't seen him in a while. And one of the reasons for that in boxing is a guy like that may, you know, he's trying to get fights and then somebody will call him and say, I got to fight for you in four weeks. It's this amount of money. You're fighting this really good guy. And he'll say, can I have an extra month? No, take it or leave it. And a lot of times guys like him just say, no, yeah. you know, I'm not ready. I'm not going to get hurt. Right. You know, and I'm not going to be a punching bag, but I, I think he's a great fighter. And, I like to see more of them. There's more fighters like him in boxing than there are, you know, Floyd Mayweather's. Yeah, you know, yeah. you know, he's the, he's he's you know he's been fighting. He's actually been fighting quite often this year. It's just we haven't seen too many televised ones for him. That's a problem. Uh, he has fought. He has fought three times this year. Uh, Rafael Guzman Lugo. Uh, that was back in uh, March, and then he fought again in June. So this is a uh, pretty good that he's that we're seeing a little bit more of him. You know, maybe he's uh, maybe he's looking for that uh, world title. Yes, and he's not fighting bums. He's fighting no. guys that can really do damage. And he's, you know, yeah, they're still not giving him his due. That that's people don't understand how incredibly frustrating that is for. Oh, that's good. It's got to be. It's got to be just mind-boggling to them. You know, like he took on Alberto Machito, Carlo. Like he's taking on Carlos Sanchez tonight. Uh, you know, his last fight, Machito, the one before that, Lugo. He's taking on. Uh, you know. Tony Lewis, he's he's fought in a bunch of like you know not no slouches. He's taking on elite level fighters, and he's you can't take a round off against him. No, he doesn't have it easy. You can't just say I'll coast this round. No, I think, and if I can knock this guy down or beat him, that helps my career. Yeah, and so it, it's it's tough for him, especially because since and that word like HBO doesn't do boxing, which I thought was a very financially foolish move. That that and it's proven to be that um, you know there were more spots, and boxing goes through these cycles. But a guy like that should be on TV. You know, he yeah. can easily become a fan favorite and get the momentum behind him for a world title shot. And he should definitely. 
Definitely, I believe so. Now, there's a lot of Canadians, man, that that don't get the recognition that they should. Uh, you know, there's there's a bunch of good shot, the good fighters on this undercard too. Uh, you know, uh, Alexander Gomont, this kid, eight and zero. Uh, yeah. He's taking on uh, Ulysses Tover Rivera, uh, who's eight and zero. Both these guys going head to head, two th ranked two thirty seven versus two seventy one in the middleweight division. That's going to be a great fight. Uh, we got Vanessa LePage uh, taking on Tima uh, Nagy. This is going to be a nice girl fight there. Uh, Louis Santana, 9-0. and There's another kid to, to watch out for. Uh, you know, we got Christopher Guerrero, another kid to be watching out for, sub-10 fighter, but he's, you know, 7-0 and right now in that welterweight division. There's going to be some great fights on this. I know they already started at 630. Uh, Eye of the Tiger, man. They're, they're, they're really they're stepping, work. They're stepping up their game. Yeah, I like Camille Estefan a lot. And I, I honestly think, I know you're too modest, <laughs> but I honestly think it, fights like these would be great if you were helping broadcast them or you yes. were there in the audience and you could explain to the people there, this is what this guy does. This is what he's capable of. This is why you're in for a great fight. So yeah. don't talk and tell jokes and look at your phone. Watch his fight. These guys have skills, mad yeah. skills, and they deserve to be recognized. Definitely, definitely. And honestly, um, you know, I, I like, I, there's another guy that I like in Toronto, Lee Baxter, uh, you know, shout out to him. He's, he's doing some good things uh, for the Canadian scene. Uh, he's been putting on a lot of really great shows, you know, out in Niagara, he's done a couple. Uh, really like Rebel, Rebel Entertainment Complex, uh, Toronto, right on the water. What a great place to have an event. Uh, both, three of the ones that have been there now, uh, you know, sold out show, great fights. Uh, you know, we had, we had, we had what a championship fight, uh, Brian Acosta. That was a good one for the WBC uh, American title. Right. You know, he's he's signing good fighters. He's putting together good fights. Uh, he's putting asses in the seats, and you know, he's he's worked with the Zone now. The Zone is starting to show some of his events. So it's nice to see that Toronto and Canada are finally getting a little bit of recognition. I'd like to see more. What do you think we need to do, Lou? Well, that's a good question. Um, I had one of the best times in my life with my wife, Cynthia, out of Adam or, or Lee Baxter, my very dear friend who, my, who I really love, Adam Harris, was working with him at the time. And we were in Niagara Falls and, mm. and he had a fight card there and, and Kuskil Clayton was on. And we had a wonderful time. And we were talking to everyone around us. It's such, people don't understand when you go to fights, it's such a convivial thing. I think what, what you need to do to answer your question I always go off on a, on a tangent, but you know me, I repeat everything. So if you miss everything, you miss nothing. Um, <laughs> newspapers have to get back into carrying the sport of boxing, radio stations, and TV. And what's frustrating for me, when a guy like Steve Buffery retires from, from the sun, we lose a great boxing writer. Right. And in the States, they cover it, but up here, they don't. And it, it, it comes down to you and me and other people, Graham, Eric, Neil, talking about it because they don't know what they're missing. And I have to, you know, it's very upsetting to me that Canadians going back 150 years, world champions don't get the recognition. So Americans eventually claim them. But what upsets me, and I've said this so many times before, is, is when you speak to people at the fan radio and, and different... I mean, most TV shows, newscasts, for all networks that drop their sportscast. It's just mm -hmm. a regular person telling you about the Jays or the Leafs or the Raptors. Right. And they don't cover boxing. They say, well, 
MMA is more popular. That's not true. The live gate numbers and the pay-per-view are much better for boxing than MMA. MMA is just new. And they don't care about that. We need to get these local people involved in promoting the sport more on the news. Yeah. yeah. And these are fighters that damn well, excuse me, deserve to be recognized. They're right. very skilled athletes. And, and the majority of them that I know are also gentlemen and gentlewomen outside of the ring. They do a lot of community work. And they work very hard on what they do. And, and I wish people... I wish to God people would give them credit and go to their fights. Boxing is one of the few sports in Canada that you can afford to actually get a, a good ticket yeah. for 20 or 30 bucks and see. You go to a Jays game, you're paying two, 300 bucks for a good ticket. You go yeah. to a Raptors game, you're paying 1,500, two grand, same with the Leafs. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And, and, ridiculous. and boxing, you can get a, you'll get a full night, you know, United Promotions and yeah. Dear friend Tyler Boxton and Don McDonald, they're putting on a great card in Pickering. They're going yes, to have It's a great card, actually. Yeah, it is a great card. There's no stiffs. There's no, no. easy fights. There's no setups. These are all great fighters fighting each other because they want to. And they deserve credit for that. And that should be promoted. But they have a tough, they have a deal with Eye of the Tiger, but it should be broadcast. It wouldn't cost TSN or Sportsnet that much to send one camera or two right. cameras and record it and, and and put it on and people would watch it definitely or we could broadcast it and people will watch it yes definitely Absolutely. we need to talk, need to, talk be, to Tyler that'd be perfect for you because you know the Canadian scene better than anyone in Canada and uh, seriously and you know you do and you could you could you know be on camera uh, you could be there broadcasting the fight but before you could do your own show explaining why it's an important fight, who these people are, and yeah. why you as a Canadian should support them. Yes, definitely. You know, I do, I've, I've done my due diligence. I, I have gone to these smaller gyms, these amateur shows, and I'm telling you the amount of talent that is coming up through the Canadian boxing team right now is incredible. And, um, yeah, absolutely. And Angela Dundee, when I did when I did Cinderella Man, said the next big power in boxing is gonna be Canada. He yeah. said the talent here is phenomenal. It's yeah. just that you Canadians don't get behind your own people. No, no, we're too busy, uh, too busy getting behind our Leafs and our Jays and our Argos and TFC, and, and we're not, we're you know, we're not watching, we're not watching our boxers. It's it's sad. No, and you know, there's I think 13 Canadians in the International Boxing Hall of Fame. One of them is a Jewish woman from Vancouver, Eileen Eaton, who became the top promoter in California and physically kicked Don King out of one of her shows. <laughs> you don't want to pay. But you, you have the first black man ever to be a world champion, George Dixon, for Nova Scotia. And what's happening now in the States, and I told you I sent stuff into Canada Post. I said, if you don't claim George Dixon and Sam Langford and all these great fighters, Americans will do it. And that's what the Americans are doing now. They're referring right. to them as American because they fought in the States. And, and they're coming out with stamps for them. I mean, that's, that's pathetic. They, they belong to us. They're Canadians. They never changed their citizenship. No. No, <laughs> no. I remember. I remember back in the day when we used to have what was it Friday night fights at the gardens. Yeah, that's like, man. We what happened? Well, I I can I kind of know what happened. Ken Hayashi kind of kind of messed that up. Yeah, Hayashi didn't have the experience or the tact to deal with promoters. I understand promoters 
and managers are always trying to get something by you. That's the way the sport's been for 300 years. Right. And I understand Hash, he didn't want to take a chance, but I think he went way overboard when, you know, when he would make agreements with people right. and then go back on them. And I know for a fact, because I worked for Lennox Lewis and Les Woods at Global Legacy Boxing. And I remember, and, and Les Woods, like Lennox, is, is a gentleman. I never saw him raise his voice, even if he was angry. And I remember Ken Ashley calling him, where the F do you get off putting on 25 fights? Who do you think I'm going to supply you with 25 whatever? Who the hell do you think? And he kept cursing at him and Les said, uh, 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 Ken, there's, there's seven fights. There's 25. No, our lawyers met last week. We have a deal. There's seven fights. I offered to pay. Well, we pay for it. Right. But I said, the government doesn't have to pay. I will pay everything. You're off the hook. Well, don't you tell me that. And you just, you know, I got a call like that from him one time on my phone. And I was just a PR director. And he was yelling at me. I said, who the hell do you think you are? I'm just wow. doing publicity. So, but that's the kind of person you're dealing with. Right. And, and it's since thankfully moved on. He stagnated boxing. He didn't like boxing. He hurt boxing. Right. It was not good for boxing. And he, he wasn't open to discussion. I offered to interview him and not alter anything he said. No. Uh, managers and promotional companies said, can we at least sit down and just talk? No. Wow. So you, you can't, you know, he wasn't familiar with it like they are in New York, right. in L.A., in Montreal. Yeah, he was just trying to, he was going by his own agenda. That was it. And and not taking not taking any any sort of opinion from anybody else and, and and you know I knew of several fighters that said to me the problem was this that they they have they presented a medical report to him and he said this medical report is five weeks old I need one from today and they said but OHIP won't cover that I need it from today it's ten a.m. you you have to one to get it and first I'm gonna go pay the money get it. They get there at like twelve oh five. Ken's gone for the day. Yeah. So they just—I mean—he would do that deliberately to people. That's unprofessional. And also the hand wrapping situation. The hand wrap rules in Ontario haven't been updated in a hundred, literally one hundred years. Oh my and you wouldn't hear anything about it. Wow. So we've thankfully moved on from him. People say you don't want someone inboxing running it. I think you do. There are honest people in boxing, you know, someone like yourself, myself, Graham, you know, someone like that could easily run it, not easily, but run it above board. We're not stupid. Yeah. yeah. We, we know when someone's trying to pull a fast one, we can look at a record and say, you know, this guy's not 14 to one. I no. know who he is, you know, right. Right. he's lost all these fights. So, yeah. and, and Hayashi would also, um, Nick's fights and, I would say to them, you're not a promoter. That's not your legal purview. Your purview is to correct, is to collect taxes and provide doctors and referees and judges. That's the only power you have. Yeah. But he didn't, he didn't care. You know, at one time before a fight, he was checking gloves that were encased in cellophane in a box to see if they've been tampered with. And I said, they're not going to be tampered with when they're coming from the factory. No. You're going to be tampered by the trainer just before the fight. Yeah. <laughs> How could you not do that? 
That's see, that's now that's ridiculous. Like, <laughs> it's like what the, the fighter knows the manufacturer and he's like, put some lead in those gloves or something. You know, like, come on, that's yeah. that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Well, I'm you know what? I'm glad. I'm glad that that he's no longer involved. Uh, we do have a great group of guys coming up. You know, come to mind. You know, Lucas Batty's another one. Uh, you got great the fighter. I like him a lot. Like him, like him. That kid, he's been through tons of stuff. You know, uh, we got we got the Wilcox clan, right? Those guys, wow, they're just they're kicking if I, ass. If Canada goes to war, I want them on my side, right? <laughs> right. Those guys are going to win, and they're not going to quit. I love their father. Their father's a wonderful man and a yeah. great trainer. And these guys are as tough as it gets. They're real gentlemen. Yeah. When you, when you speak to them, yeah. And you know, I I I spoke to them. And Steve Molitar, who I just love, yeah, you know, who gives back. But I spoke to Molitar, Logan Cotton, McGinnis, uh, um, the Mr. Wilcox, and a bunch of them when Margarito was taking a beating from Pacquiao. And I said, should they stop it? And they all gave me a look like, no, no, no. He cheated. He loaded his gloves. Let him feel it. Let him see <laughs> what it's like to take a beating. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're a great bunch of guys, definitely. Uh, you know, they support their local. Um, yeah. Very, They support all the local gyms. Uh, you know, I've been to many, many fights where these guys have, have, you know, just showed up, just randomly sitting in the audience, you know, supporting those, 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 you know, those youngins, man. Uh, another good kid, Josh Lupia. Love this kid. Uh, another super lightweight. Uh, this kid, man, has got a story, uh, you know, shot. In a, in a dry bar or something like that, almost lost his wow. leg. He's bounced back. You know, he they told him he was going to get his leg cut off. Uh, you know that kind of stuff. And, and this kid's bounced back. He's eleven and zero right now. He keeps he keeps just destroying things. Uh, he fought. Uh, he actually fought uh, yesterday uh, in Montreal, and I believe he won. He's now an eleven and zero. So be on the lookout for this kid. Oh no, sorry, twelve and zero, ten KOs. Wow. So, yeah. I have another- to say, Mike, I'd be remiss. I didn't mention this week we lost a, a tremendous member who I adored of the boxing community in Toronto and Canada, Everett McEwen. Oh, wow. Okay. He was a wonderful trainer. He always had a smile on his face. And every time I saw him, he'd say, you should come to my gym and help me train. And I would say, I'm not really a trainer. I'm just, I'm a writer who's a big mouth. You know, sorry, my computer's caught here. But <laughs> anyways... And he would say that, and and I, I loved him. He always had a smile. He helped everyone. And he asked me one time, he, he had a fighter who came, I think, I don't know if it was from Ghana or Somalia, who was part of a youth who was indoctrinated as a kid to be a killer in a gang. And this kid won his first fight. It was, sorry about this. It was a great story. And in the second fight, he was goofing off and he lost and he went nuts. And Everett's, Everett said, can we talk to him? And and I did because it was Everett. But he was kind to everyone. He was a wonderful trainer. And most people don't know he was trained to be a trainer by Angelo Dundee. Oh, wow. He went okay. to Florida and Angelo saw him, fell in love with him and said, this guy's a class guy. Pro Street Gym, right? Yeah, Fifth Street Gym. Yeah. And Angelo trained him. And... Everett came back to Canada, and he's just a wonderful person. It's a it's a huge personal loss for me. It's a huge personal loss for you and for everyone 
in the sport that had had the privilege to know him and and talk to him and just spend time with him and yeah. i can't tell you how many times i was with him he, uh, there were two fights in particular where his fighter i said how's this going to go and he said my guy's going to take it in, in under a minute and the guy did he said the other guy can't fight doesn't know what he's doing and he's mouthy and he's arrogant and he's going to get a, a unfortunately a tough lesson yeah and the other fight he said this will go maybe two rounds he was right both times he knows he knew he knew his people he knew his fighters yeah he knew- and he loved the sport he supported other athletes always every time i saw him he always had a nice smile and a hug and i always when i wrote for the fight network would mention him how great he is and how blessed and lucky canada is to have someone like him same with dwight frazier and and other people yvette Raposo and and and, and someone like steve molitor i mean Molotov yeah. was a world champion, and he goes right. out and gives back to so many fighters all the time. And he never gets the credit he do, he's due for how great he was and for how kind and generous. He right, right. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot there's a lot of guys out there that didn't get the credit they deserved. You know, that's uh, right. T- tons of them, tons tons of Canadian boxers. Uh, you know, man. I can just think of I can think of so many. There's just too many to list. That well, no, no one today would know Johnny Coulon. He was from Toronto. He grew up beside the house where Mary Pickford lived, and he was the world bantamweight champion. And he he ended up living in Chicago. It, it's, he was best friends with Jack Johnson and told them not to go down south in '46. Johnson died in a car crash. He said, "You know they're bigots. You know you're going to get angry, and you know you're going to speed." And Johnson loved him. He was famous, and I'm sure you've seen this, for people couldn't pick him up. He was only 5'2", but he put his hand on a nerve behind their neck. So people from Dempsey to Alley and Foreman could never physically lift him up. And I'm I'm one of the books, I'm pitching a book. I just fired my publisher and went to another publisher, a real publisher. But another book I wanted to pitch and do it as a TV documentary as well, no one knows George Budge Byers and George Godfrey. And George Godfrey and Byers were first cousins. They were born in the 1860s and 1880s in Prince Edward Island. Now, okay. if you think of how small the black community there is today, it was even smaller then. And they end up moving to Boston and becoming world champion. John L. Sullivan wouldn't fight Godfrey. Turned oh, wow. him twice. And he won the colored heavyweight title. Byers won the middleweight and colored heavyweight title and beat everyone, but the champion, the white middleweight champion, Tommy Ryan, wouldn't fight him. Refused. And and here's the great thing about George Godfrey. He he died, unfortunately, at 40 of tuberculosis in 1902, but he died extremely wealthy because all the money he made, he, he invested it in land in Massachusetts. And he said to his children and his wife, never sell the land, only rent it. And to this day in, in September in 2023, his family is worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Oh, wow. He wow. was that smart. That's- and George Budge Byers, George Godfrey looked like George Clooney with a mustache. You know, okay. and George Budge Byers had the best clothes. He was a gentleman fought for nine years, and he said, listen, if, if Ryan's not going to give me a chance, then why bother? 
you know, no point taking more shots to the head. I got all the money I need. He knocked right. out Barbados, Joe Walcott. Uh, he beat a lot of great fighters. And he trained Sam Langford. So just an incredible story, but no one in Canada knows him. Well, yeah, then, uh, then you know, that'd be a great book. Yes, and I see Cedric. Us. Cedric, what's up, brother? Good evening, guys. Good evening. Good evening. Cedric from the scorecard. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Cedric, are you going through a heat wave in Britain now? Am I going through a heat wave where, sorry? Uh, where are you located? I'm in Windsor, Windsor, Ontario. Oh, okay. <laughs> is Windsor going through a heat wave? Yes, we are, actually. Yes, we are going through a little bit of a heat wave. So I'm in the gym right now. I'm, I just finished right now. That's why it's, I'm just hopping on right now. But what's the, what's the name of your gym? West Windsor Boxing Gym. We just not officially opened yet, but I just got to work with some new fighters. But the gym that I was at before is Windsor Amateur Boxing Club with uh, legendary uh, Charlie Stewart. Do you know, Cedric, that in the early 1900s, late 1890s, there were a fair amount of world title fights in Windsor between American fighters and American and Canadian fighters? I don't know the details, but I did I did hear um, Charlie used to tell me stories about that. Like, um, uh, um, I'm pretty sure, who was it? I'm pretty sure George Foreman trained here for one of his training camps. Um, and of course, all, you know, a lot of the the, the, the Kronk guys would just come over just... Um, just to get away. Oh from yeah, him. but I, I'm talking about the great Joe Gans, lightweight champion. Oh wow, history in the early amazing. 1900s, and Frank Earn, the man he beat, and other fighters back then. You know what? With that being said, I got to say thank you for your show. I really appreciate your show and the history that you bring because there's not well, any other find like that. So um, I really well, appreciate, the, really appreciate the, it. the trainer you just mentioned, Charlie. Yeah, should be a household name. Yes, yes, definitely. Right, people should be taught who he is in Canada. These are our heroes, and yeah. we don't respect them well enough. People should know him. Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's, it's fortunate right now with the the if social media was 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 alive back then, you know, their their names would would be out there a lot more. But so I guess it's up to this generation, for people like myself and and yourself with your historic show, to uh, to keep their names alive, right? It, it kills me when I read about Canadian fighters in the last 100 years, in any decade. And I think, how can Canadians not know them? These guys were undisputed world champions known throughout the world. George Dixon was, was not only the most famous black man on earth, he was one of the most famous men on earth. The yeah. first ever black man and Canadian to be a world champion and vented the heavy bag, the speed bag, shadow boxing, and, and, and won the world banner the right title lost it regained it and no one remembers him here no i think the reasons for that is most of the uh most of the bigger networks that promote sports and specifically boxing are more american so they don't really focus more on the you know the, the canadian history they'll focus right. more right so i think so another reason why it's important to like and subscribe to Talk and Fight because it's the only YouTube channel that you're gonna find stuff like this here. <laughs> yeah, right. On, on my on my Substack, once upon a time in the ring, I talk about these these guys and how great they were and who they beat and and you know Dixon was five three and and maybe a hundred and eighteen hundred and twenty pounds and <laughs> would take on guys one forty five and beat them easily. 
I mean, his his skill level was yeah. not it was incredible. But think people, and I think part of the reason it's not recognized is that there's still a fair amount of racism. And with and there certainly was back then when Dixon fought and a lot of black fighters fought back then, like Joe Gans, they had to worry during a fight they couldn't fight on the ropes because the cornerman for the other guy, the white guy, or his fans would hit them in the legs with pipes or straps or knives. And Dixon one time rolled his pants up and to flesh missing from his legs. That's why when they, they said to him, why do you fight in the middle of the ring? He said, I have no choice. Wow. Wow. Which fighter was that again, sorry? George Dixon. Mm. And I met his great, great grandnephew who was a school teacher along with my sister. And there's a book a friend of mine has out on him now, Jason Winders. It's a new book. It's been out for about a year maybe on George Dixon. And he was called the fighter without a flaw. They would watch him for 70 rounds, Cedric, and the writers, boxing writers would say he didn't make a single mistake in 70 rounds. Wow. Not one. There's not a scar on him. There's not a bruise. There's no swelling. When he had you hurt, he went with a head shot to the head. He threw a left hook to the liver. When he wanted to get you, he put his hands up too high. And when you went forward for his stomach, he'd shift his stance and hit you with a left hook on the chin. <laughs> and knock Pretty unorthodox stuff. And he had to agree, like all black fighters back then, that he wouldn't destroy his opponent in the first round or two because no one would fight him otherwise. Right. right. He had to agree to let it go eight or nine rounds. Same with Sam Langford. Sam Langford was the same way. You know, Langford, there's a story before a fight in England where he sees the cornerman for the other guy putting different stools in the ring. And he goes, what are you doing? He goes, I'm trying to figure out which stool is the best. He said, you ain't going to need no stool. <laughs> we didn't go on more, no more than 60 seconds. We knocked him out in about 48 seconds. Uh, <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh, yeah. he. And I was telling Mike the story before, Cedric, about he was fighting a guy named Iron Hag. And Langford went out in the eighth round and touched gloves. And the guy says to him, what are you touching gloves for, Sam? You only touched gloves in the last round. And he said, you're right, son. And for you, this is the last round. Wow. And then knocked him out. Yo. Yeah. Now that's talking. Talking. Yo. Walking the walk. Yo, that is walking the walk and talking the talk for sure, bro. Uh, yeah, that's that's some serious stuff. He fought Jack Johnson in only his 20th fight. Oh, no. He got beat really bad. Got dropped six times. He dropped Johnson once. But Johnson could see what was how much better he was getting and wouldn't face him again. And after Johnson beat Burns, he had a signed deal to fight him in England, but he wouldn't do it. He never showed up. Right. Cedric, what's uh what's your plan for the scorecard this weekend? Um Are you doing are you doing the Claggett and uh fight and the M Billy or uh hopefully yeah, that's tonight. That's tonight. That yeah, it's uh it started at six thirty the card. Uh so yeah. Um well, Ready? Yeah, it started at six thirty. So, okay, yeah, I guess. Claggett's another guy that should be no more well known. Yeah. Can you talk about him a bit? He's been around for a while. Like he, he's he's been around probably like the mid two thousands, late two thousands. Yeah. Not. What weight class? Um, one of the lighter guys. I think was it one thirty five or one forty? Yeah, I believe so. 
He's okay. um, what do you call it? Yeah, he's, I think he's one forty. So junior welter. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, one yeah one forty. He's he's he weighed in he weighed in he weighed in for tonight's fight at one hundred and thirty nine and three quarter. And yeah, he has been around a long time, man. He, he debuted back in 08. You know, he's been patiently waiting, uh, you know, for his time to shine. He's ranked 22 in the world right now. Uh, out of that, you know, 2,104 in his division. You know, Progress is sitting on the top up there. And then Lopez, Barbosa. So, you know, he's going to have uh, he's gonna have some big names to jump up against. You know, you got Catterall uh, is in there. Brendan Lee is in there. Uh, Richard Hitchinson's is in that same category. Liam Perrow from uh, from Australia is in there, and then uh, you know Claggett's just sitting you know above uh, Jose Zapita, Ernest Mercado, Adam Azim. So he's uh, he's in the mix with uh, some of these big names. So you know it's it's only a matter of time before we get to see Claggett. You know maybe uh, maybe get that shot that he deserves. It's only a matter of time, but he is a little bit older now. So hopefully- yes, he is. He's, he's he's in his thirties, man. He's you know it's got to be. It's a, it's a it's, it's kind of like a now or never kind of thing, you know. Hopefully, one fighter I've always liked is Steve Rolls, and and I thought yeah he that Puerto Rican fighter from New York. Yes, um, yes, won that fight. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. And and his promoter, the Puerto Rican fighter's promoter, said he triumphed. I said he didn't triumph. He got his ass handed to him, and you know it. Yeah, he yeah. lost. And you can lie, and you can control the judges. But everyone knows that Steve Rolls kicked his ass, and I'm going to tell you something. He's fighting. Uh, uh, he's fighting on the 23rd of this month. If you want to watch him, Steve. Yep, he's taking on Austin Williams for the IBF North American Middleweight Title. Austin Williams fought uh, Navarrete, didn't he? Or no, not uh, Navarrete. Um, I've seen Austin Williams. Before. Austin Williams just fought River Wilson Bent and beat him in the eighth uh, TKO. So. Yeah, I mean, I've always liked Steve. He was with Kronk for a while, but yeah. he, he's a skilled technician. You yeah. know, there's very few guys that have his skill level, and he's a classy guy. He's a gentleman's gentleman, and he, you know, he should be a star in Canada and in the United States. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah good guy, good boxer. Great guy. Yeah, he's, yeah. You know, he's, he's he's twenty two and two. He's twenty two and two. You know, he's fought some he's fought some big names. Even in the even, the even in the fight that he got stopped with uh, Triple G, he was doing good in that fight. Like he was boxing. He was doing good. You know, he just made one mistake, but he won rounds in that fight. Yeah, he, he didn't was. run like everyone else did. He didn't back down. Yeah. You know, he stood there and he outboxed Triple G. You know and, that that fight with Steve Rose and you know, sorry, yeah, Steve Rose and Triple G. That fight was also what uh, pre pre pandemic, right? So, yeah. He's he's come a, he's come a long way since then, and uh, you know he's only he's only lost one since then, and that was to Edgar Berlanga, and that was a unanimous decision. And Not I impressed think, Berlanga at all. And 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 I think that wasn't that the first time that Berlanga went to distance. Yes. And yeah. right. So, yeah, yeah Berlanga's going to face a real good elite banger one day, and he's going to get knocked out. But it's too easy to hit. The problem with with Berlanga is that like it's a good and bad thing. Uh, I, don't know, I think he has 18, 19 fights now, but his first 16 fights were, were they first round knockouts? Yes. Something like that. I mean, if you think about it, like if all of those in 16 fights, if all those, if all those, like all those rounds equals up to, to like four fights, if they went the distance. So like, you know, in 
in real life rounds, like he really only is only like four, like up to those sixteen fights, but only only like four, like four fights in because they only lasted one round. So it's that's a good point. His lack of experience, even though it's good to promote, you know, all these first round knockouts, his lack of experience is, is you know, obviously caught up to him in the Steve Rolls fight and. I hope they give him some more some more uh, um, development fights before they just throw him in there. Yeah, because Steve wobbled him, and Steve's not a big puncher. Yeah. But like you were saying, all the, as you know, Cedric, all the great trainers, you know, Ray Arcel, Eddie Futch, all of them said you're doing your you're hurting your fighter's progress by getting him stiff and letting him knock them all out. Because when yeah. he has to fight a good guy, he's going to get hurt. And the exam- best example is here, Willie DeWitt and Sean O'Sullivan. And when they put Sean in against Simon Brown, you know, a friend of mine from TSN asked, asked Sean O'Sullivan's um, trainer or lawyer, who was from, who also was the lawyer for Tribune Leonard, and said to him, are you aware that Simon Brown is the uncrowned middleweight or welterweight champion of the world? No one wants to fight him. And of course, Brown just demolished Sean. Right. And you got to have fights, Angel Dundee would say, which you get progressively better by learning from each fight. You right. fight someone who's a teeny bit better than you, but that you can still beat. Always. Always. And they're not doing that with Berlanga. No, no. They're not They're not doing it with a few. Uh, I know they're doing it with some of their heavyweights. Uh, Jared Anderson is one of them that, you know, th- he had a bunch of first-round knockouts. You know, he's been brought to distance. He's been shown, like, he's now shown that he has, you know, that ability to, to, to box, to use those skills. And that's the thing. When these guys just have all these first-round knockouts, you don't get to see any skill. They don't get to improve on anything other than that, you know, that big shot that's going to knock out these people. You know, you got to see the technique as you go. And honestly, when they rush these guys and just put them in front of all these chumps, that's what happens. You know, you get this guy who's undefeated, say he's 20-0, and 0, and then he gets in there with somebody really good, and then we never hear from him again because he gets his ass whooped. But he gets his ass whooped so bad because he doesn't have the ring experience. Rounds mean things more like yeah that, that's another thing like when you look when, when i compare fighters or i'm studying or i'm studying these amateurs you know and or i start you know studying these prospects and you know hey guys these guys are going to be contenders i look at how many rounds they've been you know you, you might have 20 fights but you might only have you know 20 rounds yeah what kind of experience do you have there could be a guy who yeah, has i, I like your fights and i didn't at first but the fact is i like he fights he says on yeah. tv it isn't me. It's my management. I want to fight other guys. Yeah. I'll fight anyone. I'll, I'll fight Dubois. I'll, I'll fight. Who's the other guy we were talking about? The other British guys who fought Zhang. Joe Joyce. Joe Joyce. Yes, Joe Joyce. Thank you. He said, I'll fight Joyce. I'll fight all these guys. I'll fight them. I'm not backing down from anyone. Yeah. You know, but then, I, then those promoters, them. those promoters look and they're like, well, there's high risk, no reward. That's that's a that's a big thing too. That's that comes into a factor with all this, is that the, the risk factor is high and and the outcome and the reward are just not you know they don't favor. So that's why there's guys in boxing history like Charlie Burley, who was one of the greatest fighters ever to have lived, only lost a couple of times. No one would fight him. No, they said it's not worth it. Yeah, <laughs> it's not it's not worth getting dethroned. Sugar Ray Robinson wouldn't fight him. He said, "What's the point?" Yeah, exactly. You know? He's a real threat. What do I gain by fighting him? If I lose, I, I lose my title. I don't want to fight him again. And if I don't lose, you know, they'll say it was fixed. So I gain nothing by beating him. Yeah. 
Exactly. Exactly. Well, guys, that was a quick hour, man. Lou, man, we could we could be on here all night just chatting back and forth. I'm telling you. <laughs> Every time I talk to anyone, it always ends up in boxing. Oh, it's great. Muhammad great. Ali. So, Cedric, we'll uh, we'll definitely see you. Uh, what, what time is your scorecard again? Uh, I haven't been able to have a consistent time, but it'll be sometime, hopefully Sunday or or, or Monday. So, well, Cedric, guys, it's great. It's great to meet you. Yes. yes. Yes, this is the first time you guys have been on together, right? Yes, I've seen him on, on camera, but I've never exactly. met our first Exactly. Well, definitely. We're going to have to do this again. Talk and fight fans around the world. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the Friday Night Panel. Yours truly, Mike Orr, my man, Lou Eisen from the Lou Eisen Report, and Cedric in the den. Mr. Cedric Ben, are you coming back to join me on my knuckle-up knockout of the week? Yes, definitely. Yes. yes. Excellent. Excellent. You So, guys, you will see us returning to uh, to, to in front of that camera. On that, uh, on that wonderful Sunday with all those wonderful knockouts. But until then, guys, we'll see you next week. Same time, same channel, new topics. Take it easy. Have a good night.